In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to teach you on something. We're going to pray for our young people in just a few moments. Um, I'm going to teach you on something called 5.3 to 7.8. 5.3 to 7.8. I, uh, the very first verse in the Bible said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I am convinced. <laughs> See, some people believe the Bible contains the word of God. I'm convinced the Bible is the word of God. And so, uh, you know, it, it's not like some smorgasbord. You know, I'll take the roast beef and I'll take the mashed potatoes, but I don't want anything with the broccoli and I don't want any of the spinach, you know. It doesn't work that way. And it's a it's a package deal. And... Um, um, I, I very strongly believe that every, Jesus said every jot and every tittle. And that makes no sense to you unless you understand Hebrew. And there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And around the, there's no, there's no vowels in the Hebrew alphabet. There's no A-E-I-O or U. And so the way they get their, their, Verbiage and the way they accent things around the perimeter of every letter, they have these, they like, like commas and periods, jots and tittles. And that's how you figure out whether it's a verb or an adverb, adjective, that type of thing. Jesus didn't just say it was the letters or the words. He said it's, it's, it's them jots and tittles. He said heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my word, it's never going to pass away. And so I, I, I am convinced that every scripture in there, there, there are a lot of people in evangelical Christianity right now that don't want anything to do with the Old Testament. And they'll say, I'm just responsible for the words of Jesus. Um, some of you have a red letter Bible and all the words of Jesus are red I, I saw a Bible recently. Every word in the Bible was read. <laughs> I said, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. The you know, Bible said all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All of it. And it says it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It's not original with me, but years ago I read something that said doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what is not right. Correction is how to get right. Instruction is how to stay right. So I like that. And, uh, you know, we don't, they said we don't need the Old Testament. The Bible said we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. So uh, it, when I was a kid, my grandmother used to make rugs. Out of, she was a poor coal miner's wife. And she would make these rugs out of rags. And, and I was precocious. And, and I would, when they weren't looking, I'd untie the rug. And, and I just got this simple pleasure. You know, I got no iPad. I've got no iPhone. I've got not all this other stuff. That he, my daughter's got all of that stuff. And she says, I'm bored. I'm bored. When I was a kid, if one of our neighbors got a fridge, it was because we got the box. 
you know, and a fridge box was, it was a tank and it was an igloo and it was a fort and you steal one of the knives from your mom's kitchen and you cut doors in it and it was just great until it rained, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I played with rugs, you know, and you untie the rug and, and you pull on it here and it would pucker over there. And that's my mental model of the Bible. I'm convinced there are things in Genesis that if you pull on it in Genesis, it'll pucker in Revelation. They are themes that are woven all through the word of the Lord. And when it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, I am convinced he intends heaven and earth to collude. He intends heaven and earth to work together. And um, I was, I, Renee and I, we were just married a couple of months and her father was a, a missions supervisor. I, I don't know how, I, I think they have six men now doing what he used to try and do. He was responsible for Asia and the South Pacific, one guy. So he was usually home for Christmas and that was pretty much it. And it, it was just an impossible job for one man. But um, so Renee and I were married for a couple months and he said, would you like to go to Japan? And I said, Man, I, yeah, I'm a hillbilly kid. I, I'd love to. I, he said, do you have a passport? I said, no, I don't have a passport. I hardly got out of Brook County, you know. And uh, so uh, we were just married a couple months, and we went to Japan. And we stayed there for, I think it was 14 months, if I remember correctly. And so then he, his wife would travel with him and uh, when she could. And so he had all these tickets for him and his wife, and my mother-in-law couldn't come. So he comes to Japan, and he said, let's send Renee back to St. Louis, and you come and go with me. I said, yes, sir. So Renee went back home, and for, I don't know, it was, I think it was seven weeks, almost two months, I traveled with him to more countries than I, I, I forget how many of them there were. I'd have to go back to the passport. It was a lot of countries. So... We're in Burma, which today they call Myanmar. And I'm lovesick, man. That's really what it is. I call it homesick, but I, I wanted to be with my, I didn't get married to be alone. I traveled for years and it's like, I didn't get married to be a monk. You know, it's just, where's my sweetheart at? You know, we had, we had business class tickets to go to Paris. And, and my father-in-law said, you want to go to Paris? And I said, why do I want to go to the city of love if I don't have what I love with me? Let's go home. And he said, thank you. You know, and, uh, but we were in Burma and I was morose. And they had the superintendent, his name was Bawaya, and he was very educated, but you know, his, his English, it was good, but he, he couldn't say brother. He said, burr. So he, he, he grabbed me one day and he said, come, Burr Huffman, come, we're going for a walk. And he, we're walking down the street, sidewalk in Rangoon, and he pulled me into the courtyard of this building, and he looked, just fastened his eyes on me, said, how do you feel? And, and I didn't want to burden him, you know, with my depression or whatever it was. And I said, I'm fine. He said, no, 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 no. He said, turn around. And so I turned around, and there's this beautiful white Italianate mansion on top of it are the stars and stripes. On the porch was, was Marine Honor Guard with them chrome helmets and standing attention. Very impressive. He said, this is the embassy of the Lord, of, 
of the United States of America. He said, I, according to international law, you're not in Burma anymore. He said, I knew you were homesick, so I took you home. <laughs> I took you home. And uh, there's a verse in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, and this is what it says. Our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to understand the history behind this verse. The Roman Empire is huge. And they have satellite cities on the edge of the empire to keep their occupation forces, to keep them all, you know, keep everything peaceful. Uh, I, I was never a science fiction guy, but when I was a kid, they used to have this thing called Star Trek. And they'd go in this phone booth and they'd say, beam me up, Scotty. And the guy or the woman in the phone booth turned into just light. And then they were gone. And whatever, miles and miles and miles away, all of a sudden the beam of light would go, and bam, there'd be a body there. And they would, they would teleport them from one location to another. Well, Paul said we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Now, if you're going to be an ambassador, at the very minimum, you have to be bilingual. Okay, <laughs> you have to be able to speak the, your native tongue and you need to be familiar and be able to speak the language of the people that you're sent to. Well, that's why you need to speak in tongues. That's why we need to be tongue talkers, okay? We are ambassadors to this world, all right? And what you have to understand is according to Philippians 3, it, does, it doesn't say our conversation is going to be in heaven. He says our conversation is in heaven. It's in heaven. And, and what that means is, that I, I read something years ago, if you were in Rome and they could project you from Rome to Philippi, you wouldn't know you left. Because you're surrounded by people that dress like Romans. Roman law is what keeps that thing. People are speaking that language. Everything that went on in Rome went on in Philippi. See, Alexander the Great had a daddy named Philip of Macedon. And he found out there was a bunch of gold in these cliffs down by the water. So he took his army down there and, and he took it over. And he called the land Macedonia. And being the humble guy that he was, he called the capital Philippi. And, uh, and that's where that comes from. And, and, when Paul wrote this to the Philippian church, they knew exactly what he was talking about. But we read that and we don't understand that whatsoever. Well, see, most of the people in Philippi had never been to Rome and might never go ever in their life. But they're Roman citizens. They dress like Rome. They talk like Rome. They act like Rome. There's Roman law that goes on there. This... This is not Macomb County. This is not Sterling Heights. This is not Michigan. This is the embassy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's what church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We ought to look different. We ought to talk different. There ought to be different rules and laws that govern what goes on here. I 
It's in the book of Acts. Jesus Christ, a man approved of God by miracles, signs, and wonders. Too many things go on in church that can be explained. We need stuff to go on in church that nobody can explain. We need stuff to happen that people have to step back and say, only Jesus could have done that. That's what I'm after. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want normal church. I want abnormal church. I want, I want the Lord to kiss earth and I want to be right in the middle of the smack. All right? Because I'm not at liberty to tell you everything that's going on in this church right now. But I, that, we're going to bury some people real soon if we don't touch God. There, there, there are people in trouble. And we're going to need more than just, how you doing, brother? God bless you. And a little slap on the back. And a little, we need a supernatural intervention of the presence of God. Uh, we, need, we need heaven and earth to collude. Because I am convinced that, see, here's the problem. We're in America, and when they did the Continental Congress years ago, they came out of that, and this lady asked Benjamin Franklin, what kind of government did you give us? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And here's the problem with that. See, it's an old Latin phrase, vox populi, vox dia, which means the voice of the people has become the voice of God. We live in a democratic republic which means majority rules. When you get in that Bible, it's not democratic. It's a kingdom. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. My daughter, my granddaughter, Cameron, she's just three. She was with us recently. I said, I'm the boss, you're the applesauce. She said, oh no, grandpa. You're the applesauce. My wife just had her FaceTime in her last week. Here's Grandpa. Say hi to Grandpa. Hi, applesauce. <laughs> it's just, I see people in church like that. Here's what you have to understand. I am convinced that we can establish a portal between heaven and earth. I, 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 got, I, I, I could talk about this forever, but let me, let me give you some stories. Here's Jacob. I, I proved to you in a Bible. We, we think Jacob's like 16 years old. I proved to you in a Bible study. He's 72. And he goes and, and, and he has this dream. It's called Jacob's Ladder. It said he saw the Lord and angels were ascending and descending. There's something really cool about this because if you go to the New Testament, there's this guy named Nathaniel and the Lord met him and he said, I saw you when you were under the tree. And that really impressed Nathaniel. Whoa, man. And then he said this, but from henceforth, you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon me. See, in the Old Testament, the Lord's at the top of the stairs, but now he's at the bottom of the stairs. God came to earth. And he said, they're not going up anymore. They're coming down and they're going to rest on me. 
He's, <laughs> that's why Jesus said, I'm the door. That's why he said, I'm the way. You can't get in there anywhere else. He said, you're a liar. That's what he said. The truth's not in you. And what you, you, you he, 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 they call it Jacob's ladder. Every other translation calls it a staircase. He saw stuff going up. He saw stuff coming down. There's traffic between heaven and earth. Albert Einstein proved years ago that light has weight. I got fascinated with something called black holes. There's a verse, it's in the book of Jude. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So I started studying black holes. And what happens is stars, a blue star is a new star. A red star is an old, our sun is a, is a star. And according to the Bible, it's gonna blow up one day. Heaven and earth will be, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That's what it says. And, and, and moon will turn to darkness and on and on. It's just, it's, it, one day this sun of ours is gonna, it, it's gonna expire. It's got an expiration date on it. And, 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 and stars blow up and it's called a nova. And, and when a big star blows up, it's called a supernova. So take a stick of dynamite and take, go 300 feet in the ocean and detonate the dynamite. It's called explosion, boom, okay? You got a hole in the water, but it's not gonna stay there for long. For every action, there's an opposite equal. So water rushes back. So we have explosion, implosion. Same goes on in space. Space is a void, space is a vacuum. So when a star dies, boom, and these forces rush back to fill the void created when a star dies. Most of the time, it's kind of like throwing a rock in a pond. After a while, the, the ripples just go back to a glassy surface. And most stars, when they die, that's what happens. But every now and then, these forces rush back and they, they glance off of one another. And they create this massive vacuum cleaner in the sky called a black hole. It's so powerful, not even light can get out of it. And so Einstein was given this, his lecture at Princeton. And he said, it's like pulling the plug in the bathtub and you pull it and all of a sudden the water goes. He said, if you were unfortunate enough to go by a black hole too close, it would suck you in and it would turn you into a piece of spaghetti about a hundred miles long. And one of his students asked him, where would you go? And he thought for a minute and he said, to another world. And when I read that, I remember that verse in the book of Ephesians that said, we sit with him in heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Heaven's not that far away. And I'm telling you that even though we are on earth, we can collude with heaven and we can create a portal to where what's there can come here and we can send something from another world and we can have heaven on earth. That's what church ought to be. It shouldn't be a few songs and me getting up here, giving you a little, nice little homily, and then we beat all the Baptists to the cafeteria. This has got to be a place where lives are changed. This has got to be a place where marriages are mended. This has got to be a place where minds can be repaired. That's real church. Now, if you don't want that, go somewhere else. But I'm not looking for that kind of church. I want something. See, I believe the presence of God comes in two flavors. 
You have the omnipresence of God and then you have the manifest presence of God and they're not the same. It's one thing for God to be there. It's another thing for you to feel him. In fact, the word glory in Hebrew is kabod, which means heaviness. You can sense it. I want people to come to church and go, whoa, what is that? What is that? It's like their brain. Brain is a function of the soul. They don't understand it. The flesh says, get out of here. But the spirit goes. Something vaguely familiar about this. I think this is where I came from. Because that's really what church ought to be. People making their way back to the presence of God. Where they, that's a real church service. Now we're going to have programs and we do it and we're going to do our best and we're always going to have a plan. But what we're really looking for is for God to interrupt this thing. For the presence. See, I, I believe in that very strongly. I believe you can break. This is what Romans said. Who else, who shall ascend up into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Nevertheless, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. I am convinced that Christ is in you. I've heard all my life about Jesus, the mighty God in Christ. But when's the last time anybody preached about Christ in the church? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That like that woman years ago, you can break the box and you can fill the atmosphere of this room with the manifestation of, so people, people that don't know nothing about Holy Ghost, nothing about speaking with tongues, nothing about the gifts of this, don't know Jack about that Bible. But I'll tell you what, all of a sudden get in a place where people begin to magnify God. You break a box and you can burglarize their spirit. You can create something so overpowering in this room that they go, wow, I, I want that. I want that. And their mind says, I don't understand this. And their flesh says, get out of here. These people are crazy. And the spirit goes, nope, it doesn't work that way. See, because what you have to understand is we create either a throne of iniquity or a throne of righteousness by what we do. You read Exodus 19, Exodus 19, all that thou hast said, we will hearken and do. If you know your Bible, you know what the very next chapter is. Chapter 20 of Exodus is when the commandments are given. All right. Read the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the last sermon that Moses ever preached before he died. 28 of Deuteronomy is known as the blessing and the cursing chapter. That's the one where it says, you're supposed to be on the top, never on the bottom. You're supposed to be the head, never the tail. You're supposed to be the lender, not the borrower. I've heard it all my life. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're not depart from it. See, we need to teach them Jesus' name, baptism, and speaking in tongues, and blah, 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 blah. But you need to read the verse before that. This is what the verse before that says. The borrower is servant to the lender. Train up a child in the way. It's not talking about Jesus' name, baptism, and Holy Ghost. It's talking about teaching your kids about money. And according to the Bible, we ought to be the lender, not the borrower. Because you're in debt, which means you got a master. And that, that, I don't want that. I don't want that. It gives us freedom to be able to minister around. We have a global footprint in this church. All around the world, people know about this church. And the reason is because we haven't had debt. And we've been able to bless people all over this planet. And it's, just, it's not just what we do in our own backyard. It's what we do around the world. And what you have to understand, it, it, <laughs> when you read Deuteronomy 28, 
I, I, I got it here, watch. Uh, somewhere I got it written down. Matthew will find it. Matthew, give me 28 and 1. Here's Deuteronomy 28 and 1. And it shall come to pass if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Next verse, Matthew. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you'll hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. So right before the commandments are given, they said, God, whatever you say, we're going to do it. And at the end of his life, Moses reaffirmed that if you do what God says, things will overtake you. There's a verse that said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. I don't want it following me. I want it to overtake me. I want it to catch up with me. All right. That's, that's, not, that's not pie in the sky. That's, that's real Bible right there. But what you have to understand is I can give you dozens of verses where it says this, and they would not hearken to the voice of the Lord. They wouldn't hearken to the voice of the Lord. So you know what God did? He got rid of them and got a whole entire generation of people. And, it, and here's what you have to understand. When, 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 when the word of the Lord comes and you go, I don't have to listen to that. I'll tell you what you do. You create what the Bible calls a throne of iniquity. Listen to this verse. You ever heard this verse? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, in the Bible, there's transgressions and there's iniquities. And there's wounds and there's bruises. A wound is when the skin is cut and blood's on the surface of the skin. A bruise is when blood flows beneath the surface of the skin. Watch how exact the word of the Lord is. He's wounded for transgression. What's a transgression? It's a sin that everybody knows you did. It's like murder. It's like robbing a bank. You can't hide that. But iniquity is a sin of the spirit. It's like hatred and jealousy and envy. You can hide that. You can camouflage that. Oh, yes, you can. And it shows up in churches. And when a church says, I'm not going to hear the word of the Lord, you create a throne of iniquity. That's not obvious. That's underneath. Will you touch that thing and that sucker will bite your head off. I was raised in a church like that. I know all about that kind of stuff. People think I'm so harsh on stuff. And I'll tell you why I'm harsh on stuff. Because I seen what happens when you let people democratically rule a church. I've seen what happens with that. This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. He's the king. You got that? Not me. I'm not the king. He's the king. Oh, and, and what you have to do, if you obey the word, see, I can't do this. This is up to you. I'm going to do the best I know how to pray and study and deliver the word of the Lord to you. But you've got to decide whether you're going to hear and receive the word of the Lord and say, I believe that. I'm going to obey that. That's going to change my life. And if you'll do that, you build what's called a throne of righteousness, which literally is an open door, a portal that God will put his favor on this house. There are thousands of churches in this. You want, we're, we're, we're fixing to build a new building. I saw it 30 years ago. I saw, I, had, I just saw it and it's, it'll be a reality. Watch, it'll be a reality. But let me explain something to you. That building is a cheap substitute for anointing. 
It's a cheap substitute for the favor of God. There are lots of big buildings in Detroit. There are buildings we couldn't even afford the stained glass. We couldn't afford the steeple, but they're empty. They're full of old bird nests and, and bats. Why? Because God left a long time ago. Why? Because I'm not going to do that. And if that's going to be our attitude, we'll never have the favor of God on what we do. But if we are willing to make, see, the Bible said Prince of Peace, but that's not what Hebrews says. It calls him King of Peace. A prince can't do anything. But if you make him king and put him on the throne of your life and say, you're going to be my God and I'm going to be your servant. I promise you, the Bible said of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So the more we allow him to govern our life, the more peace we're going to get. And I'm telling you what, if I, I feel sorry for people that don't have a faith-based life right now because this country is screwed up. This country is in a mess. And if you think politicians are going to fix it, you're out of your mind. So I'm not going to preach Joe Biden. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm not going to preach Donald Trump. I'm going to cause, preach about the one who always causes us to triumph. I'm not getting sidetracked with that stupid political garbage. It's a red herring. It's a false flag. We're here to exalt the Lord. And if we'll do this, if you, you, you get in the Bible, it talks about windows. Remember Noah? It said God opened up the windows of heaven. You look in the back of that church, look at all that drywall fell out there. We just had this big old rain. Something happened with the air conditioning unit, plugged up a pipe and half the roof fell in right there. Thank God for Nettos and Steve and his drywall company and he'll fix that. And, and, I, and I, I love you for that. Thank God for people that would do that. But, I mean, the windows of heaven got opened here a couple of days ago. <laughs> That's what happened. You get in the book of Malachi and it said, if you honor the Lord with your first fruits, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't continue. Now I've never been a money preacher, but the older I get, I'm getting stronger and more brave ever because I've seen what's happened in my life and I've seen what's happened in your life. And I realize if I don't teach this to you, then you're the, you're the loser. You're the loser. I keep telling people, you want what I have? Live the way I live. Okay, it's just that. It's just the greatest people I've ever known are givers and forgivers. So I'm just gonna keep giving and I'm gonna keep forgiving. And God keeps giving me more, not to hoard, but more to give away. And the more I forgive, God puts more people in my life that need forgiveness. And, it, and like people, like, like preacher, like people, like shepherd, every light attracts its own bugs. That's who my wife and I, you wanna know what I believe? Look at my wife, follow me. We had a guy that went to this church a couple years ago that owned hundreds of rent, rental properties, hundreds of them. And after a couple months, he said, have you, have you noticed anything different, Pastor? And I said, uh, no. Why? He said, oh, just asking. Two weeks later, he came and he said, my sister is the wealthiest woman in the Midwest. I'm not going to tell her name because it's on live stream and it goes everywhere. The girl's worth cabillions, okay? She's devout Catholic. She's ticked off that her brother's coming to this church. So she hired the best detective agency in Chicago to follow me for three months. Said Pastor Hoffman, they got your W-2 statements. They've got all these messages. They interviewed neighbors that you had in Atlanta. They have followed you. And after three months, 
They gave my sister a file eight inches thick and said, he's clean. And she said, everybody's got a skeleton somewhere. I said, not this guy. We hacked all his emails. He said, his secretary knows all his passwords. There's no secrets with that guy. We did everything we could. We couldn't find it. See, I, we, we, we have a lawyer that attended his church. His name is, is um, um, Sean Cabot. He pastors in, in Port Huron right now. And I asked him, I said, Sean, how, how can you ask somebody whether they said yes or no 20 years ago? How can you do that? He said, oh, you're going to love this, Pastor. He said, if you're in the habit of telling the truth all the time, you know exactly what you did 20 years ago. Because it's exactly what you would do yesterday or a week before. You've always told the truth. You're going to tell the truth. He said, that's how we catch them on the stand. He said, because liars don't remember what they said 20 years ago. And so he said, I just create this trap and they fall in it, kaboom, and they go to prison. <laughs> he said, but if you'll tell the truth, the greatest friend of truth is time. If you'll tell the truth and be honorable and be honest, God will be with you and he will... You look at Joseph. Joseph had a coat of many colors. He lost it, okay? He lost it. He goes to work for Potiphar. Potiphar's old lady tries to seduce him. The Bible says he left his cloak in her hand. This guy loses coats all the time, okay? He ends up in prison on a trumped up rape charge. He's there for years. And all of a sudden, God promotes him and puts him in front of a king. And the king puts him over the country. And he said, I'm gonna give you my coat. <laughs> And here's my ring. Put my ring on, put my coat on, get on my horse, and I want you to ride through the city. And he made everybody in that city bow down to Joseph, which means somewhere on the sidewalk was Potiphar's old lady who tried to put him, who did put him in prison, and she's bowing down to the very guy that she lied on. But now you see, he's got the robe from the king. They're gonna, if, they're, listen, I know this for a fact. You serve the Lord, and there's gonna be times it looks like you lose your shirt and you lose your coat. But if you'll serve God faithfully, he'll give you the robe and he'll give you the ring. And he, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, it comes from the Lord. And, and it's just again and again in the Old Testament, windows of heaven. But, but, but watch, watch. I, 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 I wrote it down here somewhere, I think. It, it, it talks about doors. Doors, And when they were come, Acts 14, and had gathered the church together and re rehearsed all that God had done with them, how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Remember Acts 16, Paul and Silas in prison? They began to sing. Paul, I love this because Paul said, my speech was somewhat contentious, <laughs> which means he ain't never going to sell CDs. Traylon calls it a project. Paul never had a project, you know? But that dude sings and brings an earthquake. And this is what it says. And all the doors were opened. Amen. See, Paul and Silas knew God, but they're bound. And they're in prison with a bunch of crooks and convicts that didn't know God. They're bound. Listen to me closely. Freedom will never come to the bound people that don't know God until freedom, first of all, comes to the bound people that do know God. Yeah, I serve God, but you're bound. If you learn to worship and magnify God, 
I, 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 I got to quit. Watch, watch. This is Corinthians 16 and 9. For a great door and effectual is open and there's many adversaries. Ever been to Fort Knox, Kentucky? Good luck trying to get close. They got tanks. They got all kinds of electronic stuff that monitors movement in the ground. There's a guy in this room right now that got arrested a couple years ago because he it was snow on the ground. He was trying to get to his deer stand and he walked across the corner of somebody's property. Just the corner. He wasn't hunting on the property. He just happened to walk across the corner. The dude's got a camera and a tree. Sees this guy walk on there, calls the police, takes the man that goes to this church, and he ended up having to pay a fine. And it was embarrassing. And he wasn't trying to hunt on the guy's land. I'm, I'm telling you, if you think there's, it's like Sasquatch, okay? With all these cameras in the woods by now, don't you think sooner or later? Somebody's going to have a picture. I, I, I have a friend. I have a friend in Oklahoma. His name is Greg Jokey. And Jokey was late raised in Minneapolis. And his neighbor was a guy named Mitch Hedberg. Hedberg died a couple years ago of, of, of a heroin overdose. He was a very famous uh, um, comic, comedian. And, and Jokey told me, Brother Hoffman, I knew Mitch was different when we were kids. He said, we're sitting on the porch. And he said, Jokey, I have come to the conclusion that Bigfoot is blurry. <laughs> he said, because every picture I've ever seen of Bigfoot, he's blurry. None of them are, are you know. <laughs> and he said, and that really terrifies me. Because he said, there's an unfocused monster running around somewhere out there. So go try and go down to Fort Knox next week. Say, yeah, I want to see all them gold bars. Good luck. Because that's where the tanks are. Bible said Naboth's vineyard was hard by the palace of the king. And I'm telling you, every time there's a treasure, there's going to be something guarding it. Because for each new level, you get a brand new devil. Okay. I've heard people say, well, I met the devil. You've never met Satan. Never. <laughs> On your worst day, you've never met Satan. You might have met a private, a sergeant, maybe a lieutenant. You've never met Lucifer. Not on your, not, yeah. They don't deal with girlfriends and boyfriends. You know, whether you get this house or whether you get a new car, you're dealing with life and death. That's a totally different level of the spirit. What you have to understand, <laughs> you get in that New Testament, it never talks about windows, doors. John said, I heard a voice. It said, come up hither. There was a door opened in heaven. You can get in a house through a window. It's a whole lot easier through the door. See, I am convinced if we'll do what's right, we can have a portal between earth and heaven. And I believe we can see things happen that defy explanation. Go get these young people for me. I, 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 I really, truly believe that. There, there are people that come to this church and call this church home 
and they're sick, bad sick. And if we don't have a supernatural intervention of the presence of the Lord, we're going to have funerals. And we haven't had funerals around here for a long time. So, And I know people die, and I get it. But see, Paul said, I prayed three times, and finally God said, no, I'm not going to heal you. So, it's pretty obvious to me what that's teaching us. Until God says no, you just assume the answer is yes. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a story about when you should have been dead. There ain't a person in this room. I got my own stories. You got yours. Why? You're indestructible until God's done with you. And as long as you're breathing, you better exploit the time that you have right now because everything was created by him and for him and for his pleasure. That's why they were created. And if we're not going to give pleasure to the Lord, <laughs> good luck, baby. It's just you and I need to dedicate our lives to putting a smile on the face of Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? I'll show you how you do it. The Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't resist the devil if you aren't strong. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. What does that mean? I, I know what gives me joy. I, I, I told my wife a couple years ago, I, I, I was having a really good day and I said, why am I having a good day? And I came up with two reasons. When I get something done and can check a box, that, man, I love that. Or when I can give something to somebody, that does it for me. Giving something to people or getting a project accomplished, I love, that's my joy. That's not the Lord's joy. What brings joy to Jesus Christ? See, David said, make me to hear gladness and joy. They're not the same thing. I can't imagine Jesus on the cross grinning, you know, like Richard Nixon or Trump, you know? That's it. Jesus wasn't hanging on the cross smiling, but the Bible said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and now is set on the right hand of majesty on high and has been given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee's gonna bow, every tongue's gonna confess that he's the Lord. All right, you with me so far? What's on the, why, what, get, see the fruit of the spirit is not love grin, love laughter. Love, no, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Joy is not how much gum you got above your dentures. Joy is a fruit of the spirit that gives you the strength to persevere through things that would foil and just trip up every other person. The reason, what gave Jesus the strength to be able to get through the cross? Because he knew on the other side of the cross was you. And what's all on that back wall right now? That's the kingdom of heaven right there, okay? He knew that. Bring, bring these young people up here. Are you with me? You gotta resist the devil. The only way you're gonna resist the devil is if you get stronger. The only way to get stronger is to achieve and acquire the joy of the Lord. What's the joy of the Lord? When you are involved with somebody other than yourself. The weakest churches and the weakest lives are the stingy ones. It's me, 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 me. And we are living in such a narcissistic world right now that we got, it, this is crazy what's going on right now. And I want you to pray with me. And if you're watching me online, I need five million bucks. I'm not laughing. I need to build a school. 
I need $5 million to build a school. All right? We're going to spend $10 million on a new building, but we need a school. These kids. <laughs> By the world standards, our kids are angels. But we're not holding them to the world standards. We're holding them to the standards of the Lord. Okay? We got a kid that goes to this church. A child, not a kid. That's a goat kid. We have a child that goes to this church. They're in fourth grade. One of the girls in their classroom has identified as a cat. So every day this year, they're going to bring in a litter box so she can go to the bathroom in the litter box. That's sad. Because a hundred years from today, when they dig up my bones, they're going to ask one of two questions. Is it a man or is it a woman? And all this stuff about modesty and holiness and righteousness that we preach for years, it's played right into our hands because it's gender distinction. And we have a duty to send a very clear message to these young people what a man is, what a woman is, and a send. Yes, we do. I want you to come with me. You got a parent? Let's do something different. I don't want you praying for your boy or your girl. I want you to pray for somebody else's boy. Because I want to see if you can get just as anointed praying for somebody else's home as for your own. The Bible said God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Would you find me one verse of the Bible where Saul of Tarsus ever wanted to repent? There's not one verse in the book of Acts. I'll tell you why God chose Saul of Tarsus to be the greatest missionary the world ever knew. Because of the prayer of Stephen. When they were stoning Stephen, Stephen wasn't praying for himself. He was forgiving everybody around him. And that's when God chose Saul to be the apostle Paul. You may have a daughter in trouble. You may have a son in trouble. I really believe this very strongly. If you pray for somebody else's family, God will spare yours. If you have intercessory prayer for somebody else's son and somebody else's daughter, it's like they're getting on the Titanic, you know, and they're waving at us and we know they're going to sink. And all we can hope for is... God, give him a lifeboat. Give him a lifeboat. In Jesus' name. Come on. I, I, I won't embarrass you, but, but I, I want you to come up around this altar. I don't care if you call this church home. I want you to put your hand on one of these young people, and I want you to pray with me right now. All right? Lord Jesus, if there's anything good in me at all, take it out of me and give it to this young man and give it to this young woman. on children. When Moses was born, the kids were slaughtered. When you came to this earth, the kids were slaughtered. Athaliah killed her own grandkids trying to keep the throne. We have aborted enough kids to populate Canada. Your word says parents that shed innocent blood. I realize the enemy of our soul has always had a fixation on children. And we got to send them back to these schools. And it, it terrifies me. But these kids 
are going to have to see and the crap and the garbage that they're going to be taught. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now that you would protect them. 